Welcome to the Pursuit of Progress podcast, where we dive into the stories and successes and maybe even some failures of personal trainers and coaches along the way so that hopefully we can help you guys as aspiring coaches and trainers shortcut the path to success in figuring out this whole fitness industry thing. And I'm excited to have my guest on here today. What is going on, Coach Danielle Philly? How are you? I am good, Coach Drake. How are you? I am doing great. And uh, Danielle, the thing that I love about having you on the podcast is a lot of people like to poo-poo on the internet and social media, but I truthfully feel like I've gotten to know you in some weird way mm -hmm. via social media over the last couple of years. Yes, for sure. And uh, for those who are listening in, just a reminder for you guys, this is available via video on YouTube and Spotify, and I think anywhere where podcasts are available. But uh, I'm excited to have Coach Danielle on here specifically to dive into a couple topics that we haven't really talked much about on the podcast, but are pretty important. But before we dive into that, Coach Danielle, tell us a little bit about what you do with clients, personal training, online coaching. I know you have kind of a mixture of uh, what I would call like a hybrid business, just so the people that are listening have a little idea as to what you do right now and how you work with people. Yeah, for sure. So I started in the group fitness space um, a little over 10 years ago, which was super fun for me. Uh, took a little break, came back to it um, because I started bodybuilding. And then I got thrust into Orange Theory, which is another group fitness experience, I would say. And then, <laughs> cult, um, was, some might call it cult, you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then um, actually during COVID, I kind of got thrust out of that, out of necessity. People started reaching out to me for, you know, can you train me from home? Can you write me this plan? And that's how my business was built. So it was online. And then a couple people like on the down low were like, Hey, will you come over to my house and train me? And I was like, yeah, I want to get out. Let's do this. <laughs> so I did that. And ever since then, I've just had this kind of beautiful blend of going to see people. I travel and personal train two to four sessions a day, typically Monday through Saturday. And then I also have my online clients who I don't see. I do some like FaceTime and Zooming check-ins, but I give them a plan. We work through it together day to day. And I have a, like 18 people online right now. So it's a good blend. I get to see people in person and then I get to train people online. I love that. A little variety in your day to day. My main question though is, uh, did you do like some shoulder raises before we got on here? Cause I feel like you're, you're a little I bit did. more pumped. You're a little bit more pumped than me, which I'm not feeling comfortable about enough to adjust my camera. You know, angle. I won't lie and say that I didn't do upper body today <laughs> to get ready for this. I love that. <laughs> so thanks for noticing. And, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. You know what? We all like compliments, even us coaches and trainers. Yes. And I think it's interesting, especially getting to talk to you more before we kind of hit record today and then just some of our previous conversation that uh, for anyone who might come across you, right, we're going to have links to your social media in the videos as well. And they're going to check, mm -hmm. they're going to check out Coach Danielle and they're going to be like, wow, this chick is super strong and she lifts heavy and she's probably just always been like super strong and into strength training. But that's not really the case, right? Not at all. Um Growing up, I just really hated my body. I thought that I was fat and I had to be skinny to have the ultimate, like perfect life, happy, good value to myself. And I just did cardio all the time. In college, I was doing two plus hours of cardio a day, um, trying to starve myself to achieve that perfect skinny body, starting binging. So I went through that whole cycle of like over-exercising, not eating just to overeat, and it was constant for years and years. Um, I only got into strength training and bodybuilding um, when I started to prep for my very first bodybuilding show back in 2016. So there was a good stretch of time, I would say like at least six years where I was doing that cardio star binge cycle. And I've only been strength training. And I say only because I still feel like in so many ways, I'm still such a beginner in it. Um, there's so much more to learn, but yeah, I've only been doing that since I was 26 and I'm 33 now. So about seven years. Wow. Yeah. And I, th I think you're right. I mean, I feel like until you hit like the 10 year mark of really strength mm -hmm. training, you know, you're still like a noob in some yeah, aspects. Sure. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But I think it's cool too, for people to see, obviously, I mean, from a client standpoint, gosh, I would imagine that your own experience and your own transformation, you know, let's call it like previous and ongoing, Mm -hmm. um, is something that's relatable to them 
would that be correct in assuming so? Oh, definitely. I mean, I love posting transformation photos <laughs> simply because it lets people know like, hey, I haven't always looked like this. I haven't always been this strong. I haven't always gotten it right in my form. And it's a process. It's a journey that is beautiful and you need to appreciate all the steps along the way. But one day you're going to look back and be like, holy crap, I cannot believe how far I've come. And that's the whole journey part of it. And that's what I love so much about it. So I like to share like the befores and the afters just so people have some context of what I have been through as well. Well, how do you feel when you look back at those photos? Cause you sent me over your, uh, kind of your before and after, and it's mm -hmm. like, <laughs> it's not just a yeah. different, it's not just a different body. Like it looks like a, it looks like a different person. Yeah. I mean, I'm super proud. I'm not afraid to say that. Like I'm very proud of not only the body that I have built because it's been through a lot of hard work and consistency and a lot of struggle, but just the mindset and, you know, just my thoughts over time have also changed. And I think you see that in the photo where before I was like trying to suck in and be skinny and I was like, Oh, I don't feel comfortable in my body. And then the next photo I'm on stage and I'm just beaming because I'm so happy and just feel very proud. So, and empowered in what I did. That's awesome. And I do want to, I want to go more into the mindset stuff because I think that's a, uh, I mean, obviously, I think it's a huge element of progress and success working with clients. It's not talked about when you get certified and you get into training. Mm -hmm. But before we get there, too, where along the path did you decide you wanted to help others, right? You know, as far as getting into coaching, obviously, you had been, you know, for a period of time worked out by yourself or worked in classes and done other things. How did you get into like coaching and training that piece? Because I, I want for people who are listening to kind of have an idea of the fact that like this was a journey that you were on, but you still stepped in and started doing the training coaching thing while you were on that journey. Yeah. I mean, I feel like coaching has just been kind of ingrained in me since I was a kid. I was an assistant dance teacher when I was in sixth grade. Like I would just I go in and that. help like the three and four year olds. And <laughs> I just really loved like helping people learn and making them feel good and like celebrating their wins and being like, Oh my God, you did this and having them be so excited. So that's always been in me to want to help other people. And I think that when I just got into the gym aspect of it and people would kind of come up to me after my class and be like, you make like your class is the best part of my day. Or like, I always make sure to come to your class. I love it. It just made me realize that like I can make someone else's day by showing up for them and just helping them with what I know. You know, I don't know everything. I'm not the end all be all, but if I can just pass on some knowledge and motivate someone to do something they didn't think they could do before, that gives me such a high of like, oh my God, like helping you tap into your potential means everything to me. Yeah. And I think that, uh, I mean, I definitely know I can relate getting into fitness and training. I feel like a lot of times those who make great coaches and trainers are not only those who have gone through their own process, but like are trying to go through their own process, you know, mm -hmm. that it's like, you don't have to have it all figured out in order to get started. Because even for me teaching courses, it's like that helped to make me so much of, you know, of a better trainer or figuring out my own body. Um, so yeah, I think that that's cool. And I think it's great for people to hear that too. So speaking of the, of the mindset piece, my first broader question you know, and I think you can maybe talk to us about your transformation that you've gone through, but then also all the people that you've now been helping over the last 12 years. What role does your mindset play in getting to the goal, in seeing progress? Everything. And <laughs> when I say everything, I, I mean it in the way that a lot of people kind of do this on their journey. They're all in, they see the results, and then it's not sustainable, so they lose all their results. And then they do it again and then they drop and it's this yo-yo effect. And I was on that ride for so many years and there's comes so much like self-deprecation with that and feelings of like guilt and you don't feel stronger. You feel like you're being defeated when you do quote unquote fall off track, fall off track. And what I work with my clients on a lot is about sustainability and just making sure that things are long lasting. Um, and to do that, you have to have the mindset of, I'm not going to change overnight. This is a lifelong process. This is not something where I'm in it for 14, 21, 30 days and expect miracles. Um, 
it's just, it needs to become kind of a new way of life, a new way of being. And if you can't wrap your head around that and you're just like, nope, I want to get fit for this. And then you go off track or you think of things as good and bad as far as food. I just find that people aren't able to stick to things and it's because their mind is in the way. It's the way they view things that really put them in a bad position to not adapt those new behaviors and make it sustainable. So um, I think having a good mindset and motivation is great, but we all know that motivation like ebbs and flows. And when you have it, ride the wave. It's awesome. <laughs> but when you don't have it, you have to rely on discipline. And that's the piece a lot of people miss. Um, so discipline is part of a mindset. And so I think it's everything for long lasting success and happiness in the journey. That's key for me. I never want people to be miserable on the way to their goals. Cause then what, what's it for? What's it worth? So I want to go, I want to go like tactical for a second, because I would imagine for coaches who are listening, or I can even think back for me, you know, where clients come in on day one, or maybe you're on a consult or however you do it, right. Based on what environment you're in and they come in and you're, you're talking about the things you're like, all right, like, tell me about your goals. What brings you in today? And, and they give you, you know, let's call it like the, the over-aggressive goal. Like, Hey, you know what? I've got an event in three weeks and I want to drop 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. Um, or just in general, how do you address the unrealistic goals without demotivating people to take action? I always preface working with someone, I will chat with them before we sign up and answer questions. But if someone comes to me and they're like, I have this trip next month that I want to lose 10 pounds for. I'm like, okay, that's great that you want to start getting into shape. Can I ask you what your longer term goal is? Like after that trip, do you see yourself wanting to continue to be healthy and fit and strong? Or are you just doing it for this? Kind of feel them out and see what they say because I want them thinking long-term. I want yeah. them to think like, well, what is after that? And then I kind of backtrack and I'll be like, okay, if they say, yeah, I do want to be fit long-term, like awesome. Like transformations take time. And I'm not the coach that's going to give you, you know, that 21 or 28 day fix. And anything that you do that's going to help you drop 10 pounds in four weeks is going to be really unhealthy for you. And you're just going to gain that weight right back. And I'm just very blunt because I've done it. I've seen other people do it. And again, what's it for? You just get mad at yourself over it. So I kind of let them know what to expect. If, okay, if I did put you on a thousand calories and two hours of cardio a day, sure, done. But then what? So I like to just preface, we can start making your transformation now and you'll feel better. Maybe you'll drop some water weight and you'll feel a little bit leaner. Your body feel a little tighter. And then we're going to continue that long-term and it's just going to get better and better. So making it realistic for them where they're like, okay, I understand that, you know, the transformation that I have in my head is probably not healthy, but if I do it this way, okay, I'll start to feel a little better and it's something I can continue long-term. And if that's not in it for someone, they're like, well, no, that's not what I want. I'm like, well, I'm not the coach for you. <laughs> Yeah, right. You got to be got to be okay being like, hey, this isn't this isn't going to work out best for either of us. Right. Um, but just letting people know that like you understand, you hear their goal and respect it, but just also enlightening them and shedding the light on, okay, but this is the reality and this is how we can start you to or get you moving towards where you want to be. It just won't be in the time frame that you're thinking right now. Yeah. Now, how has, because I always think this is a very interesting one, right? I mean, probably because I've never been committed enough to like do a fitness show, right? Like you have, you have a higher level of, of commitment and, uh, <laughs> and probably work ethic than me, Danielle. But I say that I think that there's like lots of people on both sides of the industry on how that fits in for a personal trainer, you know, and I mm -hmm. say that I'm on phone calls sometimes with potential students who are like, you know what, I feel like I need to, some are like, do I, do I need to do a show in order to be right? And then others that are like, oh gosh, I'm never going to attain that. Can I be a personal trainer? So mm -hmm. with that being said, 
How has that either like benefited you, worked in your favor, worked against you, anything at all in regards to working with clients? Because I would imagine a lot, you know, again, a lot of people as they come across you or they find you, they're like, holy cow, like first off, you know, anyone with a strong physique like you, like, you know, you stand out in the average place. So people mm -hmm. ask questions, they say things. Um, so talk to me about that. Has that been like great for you in your business? Does it ever hold somebody back from like realistic expectations coming in on, you know, what they're going to look like, how long it's going to take just uh, speak to that for me. I would say that it, it works for me and against me. Um, definitely a double-edged sword there because when people see my physique close to stage time, especially, and you see all like the lines and you know, the abs and whatever people <laughs> yeah. are like, Oh my God, you look great. Like, I want to look like you. And they think that signing up with me as a coach means that they are going to look like me. And I'm like, Oh no, like you don't want we got this. a lot to do. <laughs> You're not ready for this. this. Yeah. So I think that it maybe skews people's expectations of what's going to happen when we work together. And they're like, yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to just look like you at the end of six months. I'm like, well, let's circle, like, let's take it back a step. But I also think it works for me because of course, anyone who kind of approaches me and talks about my physique, I'm like, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Like I'm getting ready for a show. Like I coach people, you know, in fitness and lifting, and then it piques their interest of like, oh, well, what does that entail? It can go both ways. Um, I will say that it also kind of just, again, sets unrealistic expectations and also just this false positive of people being like, you must be so happy because you have the perfect body. Or like, you know, you have the abs and I've always wanted that thinking that that's what makes you happy. So, and I told some of my clients this before that when they used to comment at Orange Theory, actually, they would be taking class after class. They'd be like, you know, whatever about my physique. And I would just be like, I'm so tired. I just want to eat. I just want to go to sleep. Like I was just a shell of a human. So it's yeah. like, what is it worth, you know, for you, for the average person to put themselves through that, to not step on stage. Um, it's a sport, it's an extreme sport, and I don't recommend anyone using the methodology to get there if you're not in the sport of bodybuilding. Yeah, I would say. Um, so two things, one, more for my entertainment, because I always find it funny, the questions that people ask a very fit person when they meet you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're sitting on an airplane and I don't know, they ask you about how much protein you eat or something. I'm sure you've had these questions. Yeah. What are some, what are some of the, what are some of the funnier, more common questions you might get from people, even like random people who meet you at Starbucks or whatever, um, about yeah. you and fitness and in your physique? Um, well, the best one is like, if someone's like, do you work out? Like, and I'll just, and I will always no. say, I'm like, no, I don't. What do you mean? <laughs> no. Just to kind of been a bit, uh, what? I'm like, absolutely not. But yeah. I've definitely asked, had people ask me like, oh my God, what do you throw up and bench? You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this and that, what do you do? And, um, or people just be like, wow, like, are you, people have asked me like, are you a bodybuilder or, um, yeah, they ask about weights and yeah, what do you, what are you training for? Yeah, how many times a week do you yeah. work out? And like, what do you do? And so again, that's usually closer to when I'm stepping on stage and you can see every, all the nooks and crannies of the muscles and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some people will just come and be like, wow, your arms are great. Like you're really strong and that's, that's cool and fine. And, but yeah. So in the context of where you're at now with like life and business, um, how does that world fit in for you in the future? And the only reason I ask that too, is uh, I definitely have seen the, the journey and the challenge for coaches and trainers along the way of like, obviously once you get good and busy at what you're doing with training, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to prioritize things like doing a show and all the other stuff that you have going on. So with where you're at in training and your business, like, how does that fit in for you? You know, is that something you, you look to do in the future or, or you're just very satisfied with, you know, focusing on, you know, your training business. And obviously it's not like you're not still training, but it is a different mm -hmm. level of For commitment. Sure. Right. Yeah. I would say I do see myself stepping on stage again. I do not see that happening in the next couple of years. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm about to get a puppy this weekend. So You're about to become a mom. That's I'm for sure. I'm about to become a mom. <laughs> so it's, you know, going to be a lot of late nights, I'm sure. But just for the phase of life that I'm in right now, I'm very much enjoying the flexibility that I have with my social life, with training, with having my own business and having the time for those things without feeling completely stressed. And the thing about, you know, your preps are, it is very much, I would say a part-time job. Um, The level of focus and discipline you have is just next level. The amount of time you spend cooking food, eating, training, doing cardio, posing practice. People don't think about that. Like you should be practicing posing every single day. So it's a different level of commitment. And I know I can do it because I've done it, but I'm just at the point in my life right now where I'm very much at peace with, I have nothing to prove to anybody but myself. If I don't feel ready to make that commitment or I don't feel like it's going to add value to my life right now, I'm just not going to do it. So there was a little stretch of time last year where I kept looking at Matthew, my boyfriend, being like, I think I'm going to do a show. I don't want to do the show. I think I want to do a show. (laughs) But now I'm very... Yeah. And it costs so much money. People don't think about that as well. It's a very Crazy. big financial investment, like insane. So I don't foresee that in the next couple of years, but um, I love being on stage. I grew up a dancer. I find such a thrill with it. And I do like having a goal. So I think I will go back to it. But in this phase of my life, it's definitely going to be more focused on like building my business. Yeah. And I think, I think you just, you hit on one that to me has always been an interesting thing from someone who's been working out and also training clients, all the things for a long time now, mm-hmm. um, this concept of having a goal and going through phases of life where it's kind of like, you feel like you don't have a goal, but obviously mm-hmm. you're still training and working out. And for yeah. probably many of us like goal driven people that can be sometimes conflicting psychologically. Um, how do you deal with that more so with clients, right? Because, you know, I imagine you have some clients you've had for a while Mm -hmm. and maybe they have attained most of the physical change they're going to in the, in the, the, the realm of how much they're going to sacrifice. Right. So how do you maintain, I don't want to say the motivation, right? How do you, how does, how do goals fit into that long-term lifestyle client? And how do you deal with that as a coach? How do you coach it? How do you talk about it? So with my clients, especially my, in, or my online clients, the people that check in with me every week, I have them fill out a questionnaire that addresses challenges they've had through the week, successes they've had through the week. And I also do FaceTimes now, like meetings that way as well, where I'll ask people, I just asked my client a couple of days ago, I was like, give me the best, um, not goal, um, the biggest like reward you've gotten in the last month of working together in the last year. And just for her to like reflect on how far she's come. So I really like to celebrate the wins that people have like in their day-to-day life. A lot of people say like, well, I, you know, I haven't binged in a couple weeks and I'm like, Oh my God, mind blown. That's life change. That's amazing. And some people say like, I didn't, or like I drank 50 ounces of water instead of just 10 today. And I'm like, that's so cool. So <laughs> it's just really like putting a lot of high value on the small things, the small things, not the scale, not like a pair of jeans that you're trying to fit in or this like special physique that you have in your head, because all of that stuff, while you feel like if I could just have this, then I will be happy. I can promise you that you won't. And I say that because the day after I won my pro card in bodybuilding, I was the smallest I've ever been in my life, which at the time that was my goal. I just went pro and I, all I could do was sit and cry because I was like, this feels like nothing. And I was so upset that I hit this huge milestone and there was nothing going on. Like I was like, well, what's next? I feel empty. I feel aimless. Like this doesn't mean anything to me. And it's because I didn't have the right mindset going into it. I didn't appreciate what it meant. I didn't enjoy the journey. And I think that people miss that whole piece a lot, thinking that if I can just get here, I'll be happy. So I often refer back to their older check-ins and I'll pull something from there. Like, remember when you said this, now you're here. 
Like, do you see the progress that you've made? It's not the drastic progress, but you're slow and steady and you're making changes and especially in your behaviors. And that will carry you so much further than going hard for 30 to 60 days, right? So just building good day-to-day and just keeping people motivated with giving them weights for or um, goal weights as far as lifting. I'll be like, you know, next week, I really think you can do this. And then they'll do it and they'll be so pumped. So little things like that. Yeah. And as a, I guess, as a coach and trainer, then how did you start to pick up on that? I mean, cause I know for me, you know, those weren't the things that I was really coaching people on when I first started. It was, it was the, the, the normal ones, like our, our weight loss, our body composition, our circumference measurements. Um, so either a, how did you start to figure out some of those, like the, you know, coaching them on more of the behavioral stuff? Did you learn it somewhere? Did you just pick it up from working with another coach? Um, how did you start to integrate that into what you're doing? So it was after my second bodybuilding show where my mindset really hadn't changed from the first one. I was trying to get skinny. And after my first show, I blew up and gained a ton of weight. And then I did a second show to lose all that weight. (laughs) And then afterwards, I was like, this is insane. Like, I cannot keep doing this because I'm so unhappy. I'm putting my body through actual hell to get here. And the way that I was looking at food and exercise was very unhealthy and toxic And so I started looking into like, is there psychology with food, like with eating? Is there, is this a thing or am I crazy? (laughs) And there was actually an institute for the psychology of eating. And I took a course on it eight months long. I got certified as an eating psychology coach, learning about how to navigate people's struggles with food and their body image and having better behaviors and mindset. And it really catapulted me into being like, yes, I relate to this. I want other people to know that they're not crazy. I want them to have the tools to know how to handle things. And I mean, that just really kind of took off in that way for me. Um, But I would say it wasn't until I took that course and felt like I was kind of validated in a way that Again, I wasn't crazy that this was a real thing. Um, and I had this this new knowledge to to help other people. Yeah. So would it be fair to say then that like, you know, you going through that course was a lot of you figuring it out yourself, like learning for you, One applying, applying it in your own life um, yeah. before working with clients? Yes. One million percent. And I didn't work with clients on this particular topic and didn't start to kind of like push for that until probably like two years after that, um, when I started having clients, because again, I was still figuring out myself. And once I felt like I had a handle on it and I was like, oh my God, these methods work. I can totally help people. I haven't binged in a year. Like I, even if I'm not perfect, I can help somebody else because I have conquered this challenge and can show somebody else how to do the same. So it's never about perfection. Don't let that hold you back to thinking, oh, I'll mess up. I'm not perfect. I don't know everything. You just have to know a little bit more than somebody else to help them. Yeah. And I think that's a big misconception for people getting into the fitness industry, um, men and women alike, but maybe even more so from some of the females that I get to connect with, which I think in a great way, the percentage of trainers getting certified every year has consistently continues to go up like in percentage female to male, which is awesome. You guys are more intuitive than we are. So it's great. But, um, I think there's a, there's a big feeling amongst a lot of women that way that like, I'm not where I need to be. So I'm not ready to help someone else instead of, like I've already come a long way. And if I can help someone who's like, you know, further down the line than me, then it's actually probably going to be the way that I help myself as well. Right. It's like yes. you, you learn and you teach yourself by coaching. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. I love that. So, uh, here's a question. I'm going to kind of take that and shift gears a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. which first off, I appreciate you opening up and talking about that stuff. Cause that's like the real life stuff that I think in For many sure. ways, even for a lot of the the guys, I mean, gosh, I had plenty of my own, you know, looking back now, very unhealthy habits with, mm-hmm. with fitness and, and eating. I think as humans, we're naturally extreme and it's much easier to live here or to live here yep. in between's real hard. The gray um, area is like hard to navigate. It's hard for people to get a grasp on, but that's where like the reward is. It's not sexy though, either, you know, not sexy. <laughs> it's not sexy. sexy and it's not <laughs> It's like, I either want to be working out three hours a day, or I want to be on the beach in Ibiza, um, yeah. but nowhere in between. 
<laughs> exactly. Although I think it's Ibiza. I'm not sure how to say Ibiza. it. I don't know. I get... <laughs> yeah. It sounds like uh, you're saying pizza to me. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We're probably upsetting some people who are big Ibiza fans right now, but that's okay. Uh, back to what I was going to say, which is let's talk more about like the, the mixture of your business. I love, I love the, you know, you're, you're doing in-person training. Obviously you had a lot of in-person experience as a group instructor, which I think plays a big role in, in being great with people and connecting and speaking. Mm -hmm. And now you do some stuff online. Um, is your business, is it, is it really, are you 50, 50? Are you doing more in-person online? Like a little, give us a little idea. And I don't need to know how many clients, but like, like kind of how much time do you spend on each? And then mm -hmm. from that too, is there one that you like more? So I would honestly say I probably spend a little bit more time doing my online work mm -hmm. just because I check every person's workout every single day. Some people attach videos and I do form for every single video that they do. So I can be online for hours a day. Um, and then I do like check-ins once a week. Sometimes I have FaceTime calls. So but then there are also days on training where I'll have five back to back and I'm going here, there and everywhere. So I would say on average, it's close, but I probably spend overall a little more time online. I would also say that I probably have a little more online clients than in-person clients. Mm -hmm. And as far as liking one over the other, I think they both have such amazing aspects to them. What I like more about in-person is the energy and having the connection. It's a lot harder to connect with somebody just kind of like typing things out. It's like when someone misreads a text and you're like, oh, like, how did they say that? You know, what did like, she mean? right. And so I'm like, why didn't, I mean, I'm not going to like insult anybody on, you know, by writing it, but someone could totally take my, why don't you try this weight next week? I was like, oh, well, why don't you try this next week instead of, you know in a positive way. So yeah. being in person definitely gives me the edge on personality and the inflection in my voice and cheering someone on and also making like corrections in time and not after the fact, which can be very helpful. So um, I love the energy I get being in person, but as far as online, I really love that I can do it from home. So I'm not traveling around. I get to sit at home, sometimes in bed in my slippers and whatever. And I get to like write out plans and just connect with people in a different way. So I would honestly say like what makes me more excited is the in-person, but I'm very grateful to have my online part of it too. Um, it's kind of a split answer. That's tricky. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, there's not a right answer. So I just wanted to know how you felt about yeah. it. Maybe here's a better way of framing it. Um, would you be happy? Would you be happier or less happy, I guess we could call it if you were doing only one of those, right? Cause obviously right now you have the variety of both. Mm -hmm. Um, do you like that variety? Would you like to be doing right? If you could snap your fingers and just think about you as a trainer and being fulfilled and liking what you're doing and making good money. Um, would you like to be doing all one or the other? No, or do you like I to, or love do you... the variety. I love yeah. how it challenges me in different ways. And I feel like it has, help me grow in different ways. You know, being in person, you need like the energy is great and queuing in like in real time. And then as far as being online, just kind of working more in depth with someone like my, in, my online clients are where I do like the deeper work because I have the time. I'm not on the hour clock of you have to get all these sets in, you know, mm -hmm. it's those yeah. other clients. So I get much more mindset work as well as like the workout work with my online clients. So I get both facets of what I'm interested in and it doesn't burn me out. And I think that's the beautiful thing about doing both in like a hybrid, you get to go out for a couple hours a day, but then you get to come home and shift gears and, you know, grow and help other people in a completely different way. So I know the feeling of being burnt out by doing the same thing over and over and over and going from a love to hate with that thing. And I never want that to be my relationship with coaching and fitness. I like that. I look forward to both. 
Well, I like your answer on that because I think that there's a misconception with online coaching and training that it's going to be, and maybe for it is for some, like it's the end all be all, like you want to get your business there, right? That's what Instagram ties to tell us that you got to get into online in person's not where it's at. You're going to get burnt out. Um, but it's different, right? I mean, obviously I think if you're a good, I would say a good technician, right? Meaning you're a great trainer. There's an element of that that's very different online. And, yes. you know, you might not even be as good at it, right? They're kind of two, they're complementary skill sets, but they're also still different than just being there. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. a, you know, some of the stuff we talk about even with our students is that honestly, most people, um, and I'd love your opinion on this too, most people wouldn't succeed going online right away because there's things that you do in person that you can learn to translate over. But it's hard to go vice, you know, the opposite, that if you're just going to go right into online, do you know how to coach and cue? Do you know how to break those things down, even with a real person? Because if you can't succeed with them in real life where it's easier, then the online is challenging. I would definitely say that. I mean, I have learned how to communicate and cue with all different kinds of people from my group fitness experience. And that has helped me kind of navigate the online world, especially when people tell me like, ah, this hurts, or I have had a previous injury, what's an option for me. And, you know, in orange theory, real time, if someone was like, um, I can't do this, I have a torn labor, I'm gonna be like, okay, option, like, what is it? You have to be on your toes. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it helped me like be very creative and think quick and just know my stuff. And as far as the queuing part goes, it's really hard to queue something if you haven't done it in person. I feel like you need to know what's relatable to people and what people respond to, to know if it's effective. You know, you can't just, someone who's just straight out of a NASM course or something and trying to be all technical with anatomy, no one's going to freaking know what you're talking about. Like you have to have the nice, like glide the hips back with the hinge or something like that. Like knowing your verbiage and what people connect with is so important when you're doing online work, unless you're someone who just wants to write out a plan and subscribe it and just like be done with it. But if you want to coach somebody, I feel like you have to have that, the knowledge and experience to do it effectively as effectively as possible. Well, and even if you're going to do the subscriber type thing and uh, lower cost programs, whatever, you're still going to have to get a huge following to make any money off of it. Right. Um, right. So yeah, I, I think there's, again, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of misinformation there, but I love that for any of you guys that are listening, I hope you guys paid attention because, you know, Daniel just laid down like mic drop, dropping some knowledge on you guys on the coaching and queuing. <laughs> I think especially with the, with the group fitness. I mean, I say that I had a big group fitness background as well. Um, funny enough. I think one of the first times I met my wife, Megan, she came into my Pio class right now. For those who are listening, yeah, for those who are listening, you're like, Joe, you taught a Pio class. It is a combination Pilates and yoga, guys. I just Mm -hmm. want you to know that I had to step in and sub for somebody, but whatever. Like, there's so much benefit of getting good with group, whether it's Orange Theory, group fitness, because yeah, if you can teach a squat to 20 people, one person becomes very easy. Yes. And I mean, it's the time management. It's the little like special connections. I was in a room of 36 people and I had to people on treadmills, rowers, strength floor, and you have to be everywhere at the same time. And I'm not saying that everyone has to be in that kind of setting, but putting yourself a little bit under pressure to be in person real time, I think is good. I think it really kind of develops your character and your knowledge and your skill. Love that. And, uh, and I don't know either. Cause I know you were at orange theory mm-hmm. when the pandemic hit, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So how did that also play into your, the building of your personal training business? And I don't mean like just the pandemics. I know you mentioned that obviously kind of thrust you into doing your own thing, but mm-hmm. were even, even prior to the pandemic, were you getting one-on-one clients from teaching at orange theory or were you doing much one-on-one then? Tell me about that. No, I was, I was working out with one woman who I didn't even have her pay me for it, but she wanted to work out with me because she wanted to learn. I was like, sure, just come to LA fitness and we'll work out together. But (laughs) other than that, no, I had no personal clients. And it was only when COVID hit that people were reaching out to me, wanting me to like go to their house and train them. I was carrying dumbbells in the back of my car and like driving to different people's houses. So like we made it work and it was great. And after that, once things started to get back to normal, people were still continuing to reach out. A lot of referrals, 
people being like, oh, I heard that you do this. It was like an underground thing. I was like, yeah, I do. Like, On the come DL. see me after class. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Well, honestly, and I know a lot, especially here in South Florida, right? The the home of Ellen. Uh, mm -hmm. I know a oh lot God. of a lot of Orange Theory instructors who built yeah. their personal training businesses off of teaching classes. Um, yeah. So you I think meet hundreds and hundreds of people. So if you're good at what you do and people like you, they will find you if you leave. I love that. Or if you do something else, I should if say. If you do something else, or yeah. even if you're doing it, right? Because I know Orange Theory yeah. doesn't offer one on one training, right? So yeah. it's like. I mean, at least down here, it wasn't really frowned upon as long as people weren't like leaving the Orange Theory business. Yeah, um, yeah, correct. Why weren't you doing one-on-one -on -one training when you were teaching classes? Was it just not, it wasn't a thought, it wasn't a desire? Like what was the reason that you weren't doing one-on-one -on -one training? I, I feel like I, I feel like people make change out of desperation or inspiration. And my business was built out of desperation because <laughs> I was like, I need a paycheck. Yeah. Like I love fitness, but it kind of like just fell into my lap and I grabbed the chance to do it because I needed stability and it just ended up working out and being great. Um, but as far as like before that, I really didn't feel the need to do my own thing because at the time I really loved what I did and I felt like I was making a great change. I didn't have the time really to do anything else. And I was also competing at that time. So I was super exhausted and it just wasn't a need for me. Um, but once I saw kind of the light of doing my own thing, I was like, I don't want orange theory. I want this other thing. And yeah. then I made the switch. Do you, uh, did you along the way, especially when you first started and, and also, I guess, do you, do you miss the group environment like that at all? Um, did you miss it once you transitioned over? I missed the people, but not for one second did I miss going into that room and coaching. Putting, putting the mic on, turning the music up, yeah. dancing. Yeah, micing <laughs> up and like having those 36 people and people yelling at me that their heart rate monitors didn't work. I was like, oh my God, I don't know. I just want to teach you how to deadlift. I don't know about <laughs> IV stuff. So, but really I still do like the smaller group, like semi-personal training. So I had groups anywhere from like, three to seven people. So I still get that aspect of it. I have a group called LPD and it's like all this neighborhood people that got together and it's so fun. And we do like garage workouts and I love that. And it's become like my little family. So that's been super fun. It definitely fills the void of the group fitness part of it yeah. and high energy, great connections with people. And then I have my quieter side online with really one-on-one. -on -one. So again, I get the best of both worlds. Is that the, is that the photo that you sent to me? Yes. It looked like it was like a 4th of July type workout yep. or something. We do themed workouts. Love that. Love great. that. You got to carry that over. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that was actually going to be my next question was, was especially in a one-on-one -on -one business, um, or primarily obviously, you know, now I know you kind of have some small groups is kind of how you still create that community, right? Because I think that's something that can be missing for some coaches when they're only doing one-on-one -on -one is how do you create connection amongst your people? like mm -hmm. to create those bonds and those relationships. So, so it sounds like you have the small group, um, mm -hmm. any other things that you do to kind of like tie people together to you and like the people you work with. So honestly, I'm in the process now of trying to create something like that with my online community. Yeah. And I, I have a business coach and we were talking or a career coach. We were talking a lot about like how to do that because community is important for sure. And so I'm in the process of doing that. Um, I was talking to him and just being like, quite honestly, social media can be really annoying to me. And <laughs> I will say this because I know a lot of other people are afraid to show up on social media and put themselves out there on social media and like, hi, you're not alone. I like am just recently trying to be more consistent in an authentic way and not overshare or whatever. But if I feel like posting, truly, I do. And if I don't, then I don't force it. Um, all my business, I was very blessed to have it be like very much referral based from the people that I already had. So I haven't, I haven't had to have like a website or, you know, this big community that I'm trying to shove down people's throats or anything. I've been very, very blessed in that way. But I still want to try to build something that's where all my online people can kind of connect with each other and go if they wanted to. So working on that, but, um, I think the constant connection I have with them 
almost every single day when they do a workout is probably like, okay, I know that I'm not alone kind of thing. Yeah. I like that. And I also love that you said that about, you know, like some of the things that you don't have, because I do think that, you know, again, it's almost easier to work on all the things like a website and business cards and a brand, all these things, rather than just getting clients. And like, you really don't need any of those things just to get clients. Right. My career coach was like, you're using that as a reason to not move forward. He's like, (laughs) I was like, no, I'm not. No, I totally was. I was like, but I don't have this, that, or the other thing. So like, how can I be super successful in what I do? And he's like, because of what you know and what the feeling you give people and the stuff that actually matters. And I was like, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess you're right. Yeah. I, and that's, you know, I, I look at that. Thankfully, honestly, I think that's the nice thing is that you don't really need any of those things to truly, no. especially if you're going to just serve 10, 15, 20, 30 people, obviously as your aspirations to do more increase, um, Mm -hmm. then maybe those change, or like you said, maybe you want to create some different, deeper connections for people, but otherwise it's just like get in front of people, connect with people, be a person, be a a person. Um, awesome. Very cool. Well, uh, so the last thing I want to ask you, which first off, I, you know, for anyone who's listening, guys, I definitely hope that you guys connect with, obviously, I know we just talked about the fact that Danielle doesn't love social media, but don't worry. She's still on social media (laughs) and she's soon going to have a puppy. So I guarantee you, I know what's going to be on there. It's going to be a puppy. All right. Mm -hmm. Because you were once upon a time, you were going to be a vet. Is that right? That's what I went to undergrad for pre-vet at Penn state. Mm -hmm. And look at you now, now you're, you're coaching like human animals instead. Yeah, I'm just going to be doing shoulder presses with her, just one arm. <laughs> Combine so you, animal and fitness. <laughs> if you guys want shameless puppy content, then definitely follow her. Yeah. Uh, but I say that too, because I think that sometimes, you know, again, you know, social media can get a bad reputation, but, you know, I find just like when I first moved to South Florida, right? I grew up on a farm in Missouri, the middle of nowhere. I moved to South Florida. East Coast culture is different. Took me yeah. a while to find my people. Um, and I think the internet's kind of like that too, where it's like, you know, I mean, you can still use it over time. You find like the people that you want to connect with and that you relate to. And then I think just observe, I mean, for me, it's been so powerful, like looking at the people that maybe I aspire to do somewhat of what they want to do. And in, in social media has been a way for me to kind of get to know them and get to know the people I don't want to be like, um, but then find those that I do connect with and just kind of see like, how do they show up on these areas and how does that relate to what it's like when I meet them in person? Mm -hmm. And I say that for those who are listening, because I feel very much like I, you know, and again, for, for you guys, like the secret, the hidden information in our podcast today is that we're connected via family. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, my wife, Megan is, uh, the sister of Danielle's boyfriend, Matt. And, uh, but I say that because like in the couple of times we've gotten to connect in person, I feel very much like, Hey, my conversations with you in person have been like what I see this person online being as well. And that's also sometimes hard to do, right? Because you're, you know, you're, you're also like motivated to post things you think people want you to post or whatever. Um, and that's challenging. Yes. I always, I go by the, the theory that like, if it feels gross to post, if it feels yucky, (laughs) And it's probably going to come off yucky. <laughs> you probably shouldn't post it. That's going to be my quote for the for the call today. If it feels yucky, don't yeah. do it. <laughs> Maybe just a quote life, for life. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. But I just say that I think you know Danielle's. I think a. Uh, the a great person for you guys to connect and follow. I think especially for me, maybe I'm impartial or not impartial. Maybe I'm partial because now I'm hashtag girl dad. And so I look at it like, you know, the females out there in the world, not just in the fitness industry, setting the example for others. Um, I think there's so much to be had there because I think that the industry needs more women, not just in the industry, because again, I've seen that trend over the last 10 years, but I think more women who aren't afraid to step into the light and be an example and like, you know, talk about training, talk about their own journey, because I already know from all the women I've worked with over time, they need more female coaches and trainers as well. Right. I look around, I've been to fitness conferences for the last 15 years, and it's not until the last five years that there's really females there talking. Right. Like, which is, I mean, I know it's a crazy thing because obviously, I mean, you look at the industry and the percentage of females is very high. Um, but just something that, you know, I look at and I said, that's my challenge to you, Danielle, is to continue to, to put yourself out there because I think you're setting a great example for a lot of coaches. Thank you very much. 
Um, so parting wisdom, any pieces of advice? Again, this podcast is primary, which first off, I think you shared a lot of messages, even for clients that might be listening in on their journey. I think it's super cool. Um, but for coaches and trainers who want to get to a place in their training business and life where they feel really good about what they're doing and the mixture of what they're doing. Cause that's what I take from you is like, you're working with clients in person. You enjoy that, the amount that you're doing, you're working with clients online. You like the impact that you're having. Um, but it's taken you a while to get there, right? You've been doing this for 12 years. Yeah. A little over 10. Yeah. Um, what would be like a nugget of wisdom or, uh, an area for new coaches and trainers to focus on, to try to move in that direction? I would really say like, try a lot of different things and you kind of just gravitate towards what feels right to you. And I mean, I, it was kind of a, you know, it's a joke to say like, if it feels yucky, don't do it, but really like <laughs> lean into how you feel and how something makes you feel. I'm very much someone who's driven by like passion and like, I have to love what I do to be able to wake up in the morning and not dread it or go to bed dreading the next day. I've had jobs like that. I don't want to live my life like that. And I feel like personal training in this industry is such a great way to find, like, to make something that's pretty generic fitness, make it your own, right? Like find the pieces of it that you connect with, that you love, that you have a personal history with and start there, you know, don't try to do something that someone else is doing just because they did it and it was successful. If it doesn't speak to you, then it's probably not going to come off in the best way to your clients. You're not going to coach it as effectively. And you just, I don't think we'll be as happy doing what you're doing. Um, so go from like what kind of sets your soul on fire about this industry and health fitness and ride that wave, kind of dip your toe in different ponds, maybe do a couple certifications, even though it's not completely necessary, but you know, knowledge is power and just having the tools in your tool belt to kind of elevate your expertise of what you're trying to do. But yeah, just do what makes you feel good. That's always my recommendation to people. And if it feels yucky, it's yucky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if it feels yucky, it is yucky. Well, talking to you today, Danielle, makes me happy for the industry. It makes me happy for all the people that you get to work with, because I just know that the impact that you have on their lives is amazing. And uh, I just really appreciate you coming on, giving us some time out of your day to, uh, to talk about it. So thanks for being on the podcast. Of course. Thank you very much for having me. And I hope, you know, I've impacted someone in some way. Love it. And I'll make sure that I put in the show notes, guys, for those that are listening or watching the areas and places that you can connect with Danielle. Um, but for those who are listening right now too, where's the best place for them to connect with you? Um, like social media platforms, whatever, or, you know, where, where are you most active that if someone wants to shoot you a question that you're likely to get it? Uh, definitely Instagram, just at Danielle.Philly. Um, I, I don't have any other social media platforms. I don't have Facebook. I don't have TikTok. Um, I'm, I guess, an old soul in that way. I don't have those <laughs> things. <laughs> hey, I like it. Simple, yeah. simple, simple. Yeah. But you're doing great things, Danielle. And I look forward to maybe having you on the podcast again in the future and hearing about uh, all that you're working on. I hope so. Thank you so much, Joe.